0: seated. Let's get into our final week here in our series in the book of Acts. Uh, you shall be my witnesses. And looking forward to this message today. Uh, I've been uh, looking at this and praying about this for several weeks. This morning, we're going to talk about a woman of faith uh, who made an eternal impact upon her generation. And really, when you think about it, that's all that God asks of each of us to serve our generation with eternity in view. And so let's head over toward Acts chapter 9 here this morning. And as you turn there, uh, don't forget this afternoon at 4 o'clock, we have Next Step classes 101 and 401. And it's not too late to enroll for those. Class 101 uh, introduces centennial, what we believe, why we believe in, and how we practice it. And class 401 is a training on sharing Jesus with others. And so, hope you can come to those. Uh, Also, be praying for all the ladies who are headed to Ladies Retreat uh, this week up in McCall and uh, ask God to work in a mighty way in each of their lives. Uh, I mentioned last Sunday that our mission banquet is coming up on October 30th. And you can sign up today at Connection Point to be a table captain for that special event. And the goal is to have 20 tables this year, and we'll be sharing more about that evening in the next two weeks. But if you can, sign up for a table today uh, so that we can get the ball rolling. I noticed that we have two tables claimed already, so only 18 more to go. So let's get on it. So okay, uh, Acts chapter 9, verse number 36 is where we're starting today, and we'll read through Verse 43. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, whom when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. And for as much as Lydda was nigh to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by him weeping, and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed, and turning him to the body, said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up, and he gave her his hand and lifted her up, And when he had called the saints and widows, presented her alive. And it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And it came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon, a tanner. Now, in this passage today, we are reminded that God uses ordinary people. And God is the only one who changes the ordinary to extraordinary. We don't do that on our own. And and God uses ordinary people who are willing to serve him by serving others. And God is still looking for people like Tabitha or Dorcas. And I want to talk today on this subject, the garments Dorcas made. And as always, the notes are provided in your bulletin. They're also on the YouVersion app. And I want to begin with a thought from this passage Uh, As you read through this, you you notice this, kind of read between the lines, that this disciple is essential. This disciple is essential. Uh, When Dorcas became sick and apparently died, the response of the church in Joppa tells us a lot. Uh, They basically said, we cannot move forward without her. And, And so they sent two men to run from Joppa to Lydda, which was about 10 to 12 miles, and find the apostle Peter. Now, 1 Corinthians 12 reminds us that we who are in the church uh, are the body of Christ and that every member of the body is important. Every member is necessary. And yet the church here in Joppa, their response tells us that Dorcas was so important to their congregation that they refused to accept her death. She had made such an impact in the lives of people that they couldn't comprehend life without her. Now, think about this Dorcas uh, was not the pastor of the church, uh, she wasn't an elder or a deacon of the church. If you look back at 36 and the identification that God gives her, it says she was a certain disciple. A certain disciple. She was exactly what God expects every one of his children to be, a disciple. Jesus said in John eight thirty two, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. Did you catch that? If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And that's what Dorcas was doing. She was continuing in the commands of Jesus. She was following the footsteps of her Savior in loving and caring for people. And Dorcas shows us that the value of one disciple cannot be calculated anywhere but in heaven. Some of the disciples of Jesus were out preaching to crowds. Uh, Dorcas was loving on people and sharing good news with them. And uh, there is no more important role in your life than the role of disciple. Yes, you might be a mom or dad or son or daughter or student or teacher or lawyer or store owner, but if you are a child of God, the most important role you have is disciple. And Dorcas took this very seriously. She used her life on what was most important to God. And I'm sure that the pastor of the church at Joppa wished for a full congregation of Tabithas. Uh, but only Tabitha could be Tabitha, or they called her Dorcas as well. Uh, every disciple is unique. Every disciple is important. Every disciple has something that nobody else can do. Every disciple can reach somebody that nobody else can reach. And I don't think that I would ask God for a church Full of Tabithas, but I, I do constantly pray for a church full of disciples, uh, people who have the same heart toward God and others that Tabitha had. And let me just say it one more time, and just in case you missed this a second ago. There is no higher calling that God has given you than the call of discipleship. And uh, Jesus said, "Follow me, and I will make you. I will make." to fishers of men. And just think about this for just a second. If every believer in this church had a heart for God like yours, what kind of church would this be? I'm not talking about comparing yourself among yourself. I'm talking about uh, do you have a heart for God? This isn't about natural abilities or spiritual gifting Uh, It's not about your passions or personalities. Uh, I'm just talking about having a heart for God, because that's what Dorcas had. And and look, if discipleship is good enough for your spouse but not for you, uh, or if it's good enough for your parents but not for you, or if it's good enough for your kids but not for you, then I have to ask this in love. What are you doing here? Why do you come to church? Do you feel forced to be here? Uh, Are you here out of habit? Are you here out of duty? Are you here to hang out with your friends? Uh, Or are you here because you want to live as an authentic disciple of Jesus Christ? Uh, I don't know your heart, but God knows your heart, just like he knew the heart of Dorcas. And he is calling us all to the ordinary but eternal role of discipleship. The people in Joppa said, this disciple is... It is essential. But look what else their actions tell us. Uh, number two, we find that her charity is evident. Her charity is evident. So these guys take off from Lydda to go look for, uh, for Peter. And uh, after they make the 12-mile trip back to Joppa, uh, Peter uh, finds this group of people on the scene whose lives had been touched by the Christian charity of Dorcas. We read in verse 36 uh, that she was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. And uh, we find in in verse number 39 that when Peter arrived in the room, uh, there were all these widows and ladies in the room weeping and showing him the coats and garments Dorcas made. And there were stacks of them. Uh, Dorcas apparently was this incredible seamstress, and I've always felt like Uh, that somewhere in that stack was a a patchwork quilt. Uh, I just feel like Dorcas may have been the type to do a quilt. And uh, so we're going to kind of use that in our message today as an illustration uh, because her discipleship had led her to her ministry. It led her to do what she was capable of doing, to bless and encourage others, whether they were believers or not. Dorcas was a servant. She was willing to use what God provided to minister to others. Now, if you are looking for somebody uh, to make a garment or a coat or a quilt, I'm not your guy. Uh, I cannot even sew a button on, right? How many of you are like me, you, you can't even sew a button on? Okay, yes, yeah, so some of you are willing, proud to admit it, right? And Taylor can admit it because his wife is Tabitha if you see any of the resemblance here in the scriptures today, right? So he, he got that all figured out. He married somebody he could sew his buttons on. Uh, but, you know, everybody has some type of natural ability that can be used to bless others. Maybe you're good at crafts. Uh, maybe you're good at carpentry. Jesus was a carpenter, right? Uh, maybe you uh, have a special gift for painting walls, Or you can wash walls like nobody's business. Uh, Maybe you know how to play a bass guitar or sing. Maybe you're a computer whiz or a master organizer. No matter what your abilities are, God created them for his kingdom purposes. He did not make you to waste your abilities. God didn't give you abilities that would be guarded and protected against his purposes. It's exactly the opposite. I remember uh, years ago hearing about all these singers uh, who grew up in church, and uh, they used to sing in front of the congregation, and then they basically abandoned church, and uh, they went to become pop stars or rock stars or whatever, and uh, you remember Elvis Presley, some of you do, uh, back in the day. How many of you think Elvis is still alive, by the way? Okay, I'm um, just checking. Uh, But Elvis was kind of the crossover guy, right? He started in church, and then he went to old rock and roll, and then he kind of came back and sang some Christian songs. But you know, God doesn't make our abilities for us to just use on our own purposes. God makes our abilities for His purposes. And at the moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit also imparts to you a spiritual gift. And it looks like Dorcas may have had the gift of ministry or possibly mercy. If you're a Christian, you have a spiritual gift too. Uh, In addition to your spiritual gift, God has made you passionate about things that other people don't care about. In fact, God has made you passionate about things that other people may not even notice, right? And and those passions can be used for his purposes, Uh, along with your unique personality that has been designed for His kingdom purposes. Uh, But there's more. Your life experiences are also available for God to use. And you, you know which experiences God uses most? Your painful ones. God uses your pain to do more in your life for His kingdom than any other thing. God brings you comfort so that you can comfort others. Uh, In heaven, I definitely want to hear more on the backstory on Dorcas. Uh, uh, Was she a widow herself? Why was she so passionate about providing clothing and garments? What were the life experiences that had shaped her heart for God? Can I tell you that your story, as you sit there this morning, is unlike the story of any other person on earth. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And no matter who you are, God has big plans for you. You know, every one of us is ordinary. And only God can make us extraordinary. Uh, And if you know that, then what possible reason could you ever have for refusing God's leading. Why would you ever want to waste your life on things that don't matter? Uh, I've heard over the years that missionaries who uh, go to other countries and then they come back, they kind of get bewildered with the American church. And it's never really happened much to me, but this year I've been gone on the mission field quite a bit. And uh, I've noticed that I'm a little more bewildered than normal. Uh, and over there, I see believers who have so little and yet they're willing to give up anything and everything to serve God. And then I come back to American Christianity. And so often, I find this complacent attitude toward God's purposes. Uh, people who will only serve God when it's convenient, convenient for their schedule, convenient for their desires. And I wish I could take every one of you to places uh, where Christianity still requires sacrifice. It is life-changing to see. Uh, Have you ever had this thought? If I were Satan, how would I go after believers? Right? Think about that for a second. If I were Satan, how would I go after believers? How would I uh, mess their lives up so they can't be used for God? How would I make sure families never serve God? And I thought about it. Uh, I, I think I would get mothers and fathers to become obsessed with the things of this world. Right? I would push certain sports or TV shows to become more important than family and even God. I would get moms to think that focusing on children and home is literal oppression, Right? I would hand kids electronic devices for hours every day so that they'll be programmed to do whatever the screen says while parents abandon their own discipleship roles and put their kids to bed. And then families would already be set up for ruin. Right? You know, Satan does his best work by allowing you to just live your life based on worldly lust. He didn't have to do anything extraordinary. He just allows you to live where your passion wants to go away from God. And the 21st century holds more potential for distraction away from God than any time in the history of the world. Uh, If you're going to serve God in 2022, you're going to have to do it on purpose. But if you are willing to follow Jesus and use the resources he's provided, your life is going to touch an incredible number of lives, just like the life of Tabitha did. And our God is as powerful in this age as he's ever been. And that brings us to this third part. Uh, Our God is exceeding abundantly able. Our God is exceeding abundantly able. And so here in Acts 9, uh, Peter kneels down and, and prays. He speaks these words. Tabitha. Arise, and God sees fit to bring her back to life. Now consider this for a minute. Why did God heal Dorcas, right? Out of all the people in the Jerusalem church, why Dorcas? You're just reading through the book of Acts, and, and all of a sudden, there's a woman in Acts chapter 9 who is raised from the dead and healed. And so I'm thinking, what what could possibly be the reason? And I think there's two reasons. There's probably some others as well. Here's reason number one. God's plan was that Dorcas had more to accomplish for his kingdom purposes on earth, right? He had more to do. Now, how many people could we ever say that about? It is exceedingly rare. Uh, For whatever reason... God was glorified by having Dorcas open her eyes and sit up. You know, there's something else to consider. Why would God heal Dorcas? And I think it is uh, that the church at Joppa had enough faith to ask big. They had enough faith to send two men to go find Peter. They had enough faith to gather in that room for prayer. They believed that God would do something extraordinary, and we still serve the God of the extraordinary. I love Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. And and folks, that is our God. So I want to ask you today, how big is your God? See, the things that you pray about reveal how big you think your God is, right? Those problems in your life that you never pray about, your practical faith says you think God can't fix them. Uh, If you believe, then you ask, and you ask big. Think about how huge this is. Uh, You go back a couple chapters in Acts And here's what we find out. God did not raise Stephen from the dead. Isn't that crazy? He raised Dorcas from the dead. Now, obviously, that's all part of uh, his kingdom purposes, his perfect will. Uh, But Stephen's death, nobody's there praying, God, would you raise Stephen back up? Right? Uh, His death made this huge impact on Saul of Tarsus to be a convert. But it's worth noting that nobody asked for him to be raised from the dead. And yet in Acts 9, the Christian in Joppa had the faith to pray for a lady who made quilts to be raised from the dead. And you're thinking, what in the world? How did this happen? And I think it's because they were willing to ask big. They were willing to put it out there. They were willing to go out on a limb. Two Sundays ago, I I went to a Sunday afternoon prayer meeting uh, in this outdoor gathering in Brazzaville. And I, I noticed uh, as I got there, because I'm picking up some French, and I noticed that they were calling it uh, a national prayer meeting. And if you showed up to that meeting and you just walked in for the first time, you might think, how could this be a national prayer meeting? Right? There's like 15 people here. How could a meeting of 15 people affect an entire nation? And I would say that it depends on who their God is, right? Because if the God Almighty, the God of creation, is their God, then they don't even need 15. They don't even need five. They just need a couple people who are willing to pray and ask big for something Yeah, in God's will. Yeah, they were asking for big things. (laughs) Much further than the imagination can even go. What incredible faith. What an amazing, all-powerful God. Which kind of proves the point. If our God is really all-powerful, why would we not ask? You know, it, it must be that we don't really believe that he is. And so they had enough faith to ask big. I love verse 41 and he gave her his hand and lifted her up and when he had called the saints and widows presented her alive and it was known throughout all Joppa and many believed in the Lord let's talk about this fourth part the impact of a testimony is eternal the impact of a testimony is eternal Peter gives Tabitha his hand. He walks her to the door. He presents her alive. The story spread through the city like wildfire. And the life of this ordinary disciple of Jesus had a ripple effect on Christianity for centuries to come. We're still talking about it today because the impact of a testimony is eternal. Now, If you're a Christian, your testimony is going to affect eternity one way or another. Uh, whether your influence lights the way to heaven or guides people to settle for the things of this world, it's going to last forever. Uh, whether you influence your children to seek the Lord above all else or you guide your children to seek the Lord whenever is convenient, your testimony is going to last forever. Uh, whether you take the time and effort to to sit with one other person and guide them in faith like Amy and Rose talked about today, or you just keep making the excuse that you don't have the time and you don't have the ability, your testimony is going to last forever. Whether you use your God-given resources to serve others like Dorcas did, or you constantly claim all the resources for yourself, your testimony is going to last forever. It's either going to be an eternal investment or an eternal regret. But make no mistake, it will be eternal. And because of the life and healing of Dorcas, many believed in the Lord. As we finish up this morning, I can just see all those widows and saints, and they're gathered around Peter, and Dorcas walks back in the room, and they hold up all their coats and their cloaks and their quilts and all the things Dorcas had made, and it it became a family heirloom that day, right? Uh, The woman who got raised from the dead made my quilt. It became important. It became much more important than it had been because of the way God worked. In our faith challenge today, I want to remind you that the local church is a patchwork quilt, it is made of many ordinary people. None of us are alike. We are all a little different. And yeah, I'm looking at some of you. Uh, in this quilt of God's church, uh, some are the, the squares and the solids, some are striped, uh, some are polka dotted, some are psychedelic, right? Some are pastels, some are just common gray. You're just kind of boring. Yeah, I'm looking at you too. But, but God uses all of us, every single part of the body, to accomplish his purposes. We've got various abilities, various gifts, various passions, various personalities, a variety of experiences, but it's all for his glory. And Dorcas used her unique spiritual shape to serve others. And the impact was eternal. And as we think of Dorcas and the patchwork quilt of God's church, I'd like to close today by asking you how God might be speaking to your heart this morning. What is it that God wants you to learn from the life of this ordinary person who he made into an extraordinary person? And so let's take a minute to absorb the Spirit's leading in each of our hearts, and let's pray together. Father, I thank you that we could come and worship you together today. We thank you for the songs we've been able to share and proclaim your greatness And I pray now as we close the service that you would help each of us to go into our walk with you, into our relationship with you. And maybe we need to reconnect. Maybe we need to have some restoration. Maybe we need to renew our walk with you in a more serious way. And Lord, the last couple weeks we've highlighted on discipleship, maybe there's something that you're doing in a heart right now. Uh, we're, We're all different, and yet without you, we're nothing. We are so ordinary that we can only do anything with you in our lives. And so I pray that you would use the testimony of this first century saint to impact our lives today and throughout this week and in many days to come. We'll ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.